Let's go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, we come today. Come into your presence. And we confess that, O oh Lord. We need you. We desperately need you. Every hour of the day, we need you. Lord, you give us life. You give us breath. You give us the food that we eat. You give us all things. And you have given us salvation through your Son, Jesus Christ. Lord, without you, we are nothing. Without you, we are forever lost. So, Father, we come in need of you. And Lord, today as we come to your word, we need to hear a word from you. We need to hear your word, your message to us, so that we might grow in Christ and live for your glory. Speak to us today, Lord. Reveal yourself to us, I pray. In Christ's name I pray. Amen. Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Titus, the book of Titus. Uh, we are starting, we finished up Jonah, and now we are starting in the book of Titus. And uh, Titus is a book for the church. I know all the books are for the church, but as uh, we look at the book of Titus and as Paul is writing to Titus, uh, this in particular is uh, for the church and it's instruction for Titus, a young, young minister in the Word, on how to organize the church and, and, and what to do in the organization of the church and, and why you do the things you do, why we do the things that we do um, in the church. So uh, we're looking at that this morning and looking at commitments of a godly leader. Now let me just uh, kind of give you a little background of Timothy before we get, or Titus, excuse me, before we get into the midst of it. Uh, we, a few weeks back, uh, a little over a month ago, we finished up Philippians. And you remember, uh, Paul wrote Philippians while he was in his first Roman imprisonment. So he had done his three missionary journeys, and then the book of Acts records for us that he, after his three missionary journeys, he ended up getting arrested in Jerusalem and then getting taken off to Rome. And we believe that Philippians was written from his prison cell there in Rome during that first imprisonment. Well, after that first imprisonment, and that was in the early 60s A.D., uh, after that first imprisonment, Paul, we believe, was released. He was released from, from prison, and he made another missionary journey. I don't know where all he went. It wasn't, it's not recorded in Scripture for us. But uh, part of that journey, we can kind of uh, speculate, was through the Isle of Crete. And uh, that's where we see Titus being left. Titus was left by Paul somewhere, as we'll see in this letter. Uh, he was left by Paul there on the island of Crete. Somewhere along the way, Paul had been there. He had established some churches. He had preached the gospel and established some churches. And he left young Titus there to begin to organize things and, and get the church in order 
uh, put in elders and, and that sort of thing, get things going there on the island of Crete. And so this is a letter to Titus as he is there doing all of these things. Paul is writing him this letter. And you'll notice here today as we begin to look at it in this opening uh, little, his uh, opening chap, uh, paragraph here, he, he makes mention that he is a servant of God and an apostle. And so part of what this letter is doing is it's, it's giving some kind of uh, uh, some credibility to Titus. He needs some cred with the, the churches there in Crete. And so uh, they want to make sure that this is not just some young buck preacher who's coming in to, to do all of these things. But, but here he has the authority of the apostle Paul, who has the authority of God Almighty. And so this letter is, is one purpose of this letter is to give Titus that, that, those credentials, uh, to give him that authority as he begins to put these things in order. It's not just coming from Titus. It's not just his word, but this is coming from Paul, who is an apostle of Jesus Christ. So it's, it's giving that authority to Titus as he is there. But he's, he's sending this letter for the church, for Titus to get things in order so that they can be organized and do the work that they are called to do in Christ Jesus. So that's the whole kind of the, the purpose behind this letter. And we need to know that as we go through this. This was written... Somewhere in the mid-60s, Paul would later be arrested not too long from now. He'll be arrested again, and uh, he'll go back to Rome, and then he will come to his death there in Rome, and that will be in the late 60s, about 68 A.D., when Paul was actually beheaded there in Rome. So uh, this is written about the same time as 1 Timothy, we think, because uh, we kind of see some similarities between the two letters. But as we begin to get into this then, uh, turn with me to Titus chapter 1, and today we're looking at verses 1 through, uh, 1 through 4. So stand with me, if you will, in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, for the sake of the faith of God's elect, and their knowledge of the truth, which accords with godliness and hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began, and at the proper time manifested in his word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. To Titus, my true child in a common faith, grace and peace from God, our, God the Father, and Christ Jesus, our Savior. Amen. May the Lord add blessings to the reading of his holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And may he write its eternal truth on all our hearts. And you may be seated. But today as we begin to look at this opening paragraph in the book of Titus, we see the, the commitments of a, a godly leader, a the commitments of a godly leader, a spiritual leader. We need to understand here the, the weightiness of a spiritual leader. 
the weightiness of a spiritual leader. Uh, There's a, a great demand on one who is called to be a spiritual leader, a leader of God's people. James chapter 3, verse 1 says, Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. There's a great weightiness that comes along with being a spiritual leader. You have to understand, as, as, as me being called to be a pastor of this church or, or wherever God calls me, there's a weightiness that comes along with that. And, and I wake up day by day understanding that weightiness. One day I will stand before God and I will be judged with a stricter uh, sense of judgment because of by, or by what I have done in the church, what I have taught in the church. Now, notice what James said there. Notice what he says. You shouldn't become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. You know, I'm often asked, well, well why do you spend so much time in study? Why do you spend so much time in preparation? And I've actually had people kind of uh, uh, Tell me I'm crazy for spending the amount of time that I spend in, in uh, studying God's Word and preparing it for you. Why would I do that? Because one day I will stand before God and I won't be judged about how many visits I make. I will not be judged by how well I'm involved in the community but I will be judged by what I stand up here in this pulpit and teach to you. That's what I will be judged by. So why do I give so much time? I do not want to come to this pulpit unprepared ever. Why? Because I will have to stand before God and give an account for what I say here. There's a great weightiness that comes with being a spiritual leader. And I want to be, make sure that I, for one, am doing the very best that I can. Be the best spiritual leader that I can be for you. There's a weightiness that comes along with that. And with that weightiness, there's certain commitments that absolutely, positively must be made. And here we have in the opening letter, Paul giving us an example of some of those very commitments. Today's sermon in a sentence is this, a godly leader is soundly committed to God in Christ for the salvation of His church through the ministry of the gospel. Let me say that again. A godly leader is soundly committed to God in Christ for the salvation of His church, for Christ's church, through the ministry of the gospel. So let's see how this works out then as we look at the the commitments of a godly leader. First of all, we see here that a godly leader is committed to God. 
A godly leader is committed to God, firmly committed to God. Notice what Paul, how Paul opens up the letter. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ. Now, that word there for servant is, is really the Greek word for slave. It's doulos theou, slave of God. It's not just kind of this uh, kind of casual servant, but it's a, one who comes under the authority of God as a slave, as a bondservant. And that's what we all are. If we are a follower of Jesus Christ, then we have, uh, Scripture tells us, been bought with a price. We've been bought with a price, with a precious price, with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Therefore, as a follower of Jesus Christ, each and every one of us, we are no longer our own. If we are in Christ, we are no longer our own, but He owns us. We could say He owns us rightly just because He is our Creator. But greater still, for those who have been bought by the blood of Jesus, God owns us. We are His slaves. And that's a proud title to, to hold. Jesus says, take my yoke upon you. For my burden is easy. And, uh, my my uh, yoke is easy and my burden is light. And Paul, he, he says this, he, he says this gladly, I am a slave of God. Not only that, but he also says that he is an apostle of Jesus Christ. To put this in our terms, modern terms, we might say he is an, a, uh, an ambassador. An ambassador. Now, Paul being an apostle, he is apostle, capital A, alright? He's capital A, apostle. Uh, he was called by God. He saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. He was on a mission, a particular mission from God, as all of the, the 12 were on a, a mission from God, all capital A apostles, all capital A ambassadors. Uh, they went out with a special message from God. They came with the full authority of God in Christ, and, and they had a specific message to preach. And that was a message that was passed on down to us. But now, each and every one of us as followers of Jesus Christ, again, are apostles, little a, uh, ambassadors, little a, for Jesus Christ. Now, what is an apostle? Apostle is just simply a messenger. It's a messenger, apostolos. He's a messenger. He or she is a messenger of the one who's, they belong, whom they belong. Uh, the king who reigns over them. Well, we think of that even in our own time as an ambassador. Who, uh, what are ambassadors? They are, are people who go to other countries and they represent the president of the United States or they represent our country, the United States. And, and so they're messengers of our government. And in, in that case, what Paul is saying, is he is a, a messenger. He is an ambassador of Jesus Christ. He has a message to teach, a message to preach. And it's not his own message. 
right? It, it's not something that's just coming from Paul. He's not a, coming under his own authority. He's not coming with his own message, but he has a message from God in Christ to give out. And so he doesn't speak what he wants to speak. He speaks what Christ wants him to speak. And that's what a spiritual godly leader is called to do. A godly leader doesn't come with a message from himself. But a godly leader comes with a word from the Lord. Thus saith the Lord. That's what it, the way it must be. Oh, how, how terrible, how tragic it is these days that so many pulpits around the world are filled with people who want to give a word from themselves, want to give a motivational talk instead of bringing a word from the Lord. Instead of picking up a holy Bible and saying, this is what the Lord says. Don't, don't take it from here. Here's what it says. That's what a God of leaders called to do. You don't need a word from Richard. What I have to tell you would be of, of little value to you. But what God has to say is of great value. I come as an ambassador of my King Jesus Christ. And I don't want to tell you anything that I have to say. I want to tell you what He has to say. Oh, may that be the heart of each and every one of us. May that be the call of each and every person here as a follower of Jesus Christ. Don't take your message to the world. Take Christ's message to the world. It's the only message that brings hope and salvation. So a godly leader is committed to God as a slave to God. His life is no longer his own. It belongs to God. And it is an ambassador for Jesus Christ. He speaks the Word of God. We see this in Paul's life for certain. You go to Acts chapter 9, and you don't have to turn there, but in Acts chapter 9, you see the conversion of Paul. Paul, as he's on his way to Damascus to, to arrest more Christians, he was out for the Christians, and he was on his way to Damascus to arrest more and bring them back to stand trial before the Sanhedrin. And as he was going, the Lord his Christ came to him in a vision, and he saw Jesus face to face, the resurrected Jesus face to face. And he went on then to Damascus, and after he was, uh, after the scales had fallen away from his eyes, after he had been baptized, he went out as a slave of God and an ambassador of Jesus Christ, and he began to preach the gospel on the, in the streets of Damascus, so to the point that he had other people in Damascus wanting to arrest him and crucify him for what he was preaching. He was sold out. I am not my own. I belong to Jesus. And I'm going to say what Jesus wants me to say. 
commitment of a godly leader is a commitment to God. Second, a godly leader is committed to the church. He is committed to the church. And notice there as he goes on, he is a servant of God, an apostle of Jesus Christ for the sake of the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. He is there for the sake of God's elect, God's chosen people, those who were chosen in Christ Jesus before the foundations of the earth. Those who have been called out of darkness into light. He is there for the sake of God's church, for Christ's church, His bride. Oh, how it hurts me to hear people say that I love Jesus, but I just don't like His church. How can anyone say that? How can anyone say that? Oh yes, the church has her faults because it's filled with sinners. But you can't love Jesus and hate His church. You can't. Absolutely cannot. Consider Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 through 27. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, make her pure and holy, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Christ died for the church. He gave His life's blood for the church. And His purpose is to cleanse, to sanctify the church. How could anyone say, I hate the church? you love Christ you must love the church Paul was called as a slave to God and an ambassador and an apostle to Jesus Christ for the sake of the church if you love Christ you must love the church if you serve Christ you must serve the church How is this commitment to the church worked out? He is committed to her spiritual development. He is committed to her spiritual development. Notice how this kind of takes it in stages here as Paul works through this. For the sake of the faith of God's elect. He is there for their faith. The way you, you, you enter into the church is through faith. By God's grace, through faith, you have been saved. It starts with faith, that initial faith. And the only way that faith comes into to, to fruition and to, to being is through the preaching of the gospel. And Paul says, I'm here for the faith of God's elect, so that the the elect might come in 
so that they might be saved and come into the people of God. He is there to be an evangelist. That's why he tells Timothy in, in first Tim, or excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 5 to do the work of the evangelist. To go out and preach to the lost that they may come in, that they may re- receive faith. So a spiritual leader is committed to the faith of the church. Preaching the Gospel so that they might be enlightened and come to faith. Uh, The second stage here of that spiritual development is uh, the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth. Their knowledge of the truth. You see, it doesn't just stop with with that initial faith. There has to be growth. There has to be the preaching and teaching of God's Word so that that people can understand who God is and, and what God desires for His people to be and to do. And so there must be a, a, a teaching of the truth for the knowledge of the truth. And so Paul was an avid teacher. He was always teaching, teaching, teaching God's Word so that the people of God might receive the Word and, and know more about God and grow in Christ Jesus. That's why it's so important for a, a, a godly leader, a spiritual leader to be a, a teacher That's why the emphasis is put on that in James to be a teacher of the Word. So that you might grow in your knowledge of of God and Christ and grow even greater still in your faith. And then the final stage there is that we see in, in this is with a, which accords with godliness. So you come to faith, and then you have to, to gain knowledge of truth, of Holy Scripture through the teaching of God's Word, and that accords with, that produces godliness. That godliness is really the, the outworking of faith, the outworking of training under God's Word. It produces. Faith produces it must produce. That's what James says again in his letter. Faith without works is dead faith. It's, it's non-existent faith. That doesn't say that we, we are saved by our works, but we are saved to works. How do you know that you're a Christian? By your works. How do you know you've come to saving faith in Jesus Christ? by the transformation of your life that works its way out in godliness, a fruitful life in Christ Jesus. Again, Paul is not saying, and nor is James saying, that, that you work for your salvation, but you are created in Christ Jesus for good works. Ephesians chapter 2. And so that's the, the prog- progression of salvation, right? We're, we're saved. We come to faith in Jesus Christ and we're justified. We're saved. We're, we are, are declared righteous in God's sight. And then we, we sit under godly teaching and preaching. We sit under the Word of God. We, we dig into God's Word. We learn more about who He is and the Spirit 
enlightens us and, and lets us see even greater still who God is. And we begin to grow in our knowledge of Him. And then as we grow in our knowledge of Him, we just naturally go out and we begin to work for Him. Works of godliness, works of righteousness. Our lives become different because we are different. So Paul says, I'm committed. I'm a slave of God. I'm an ambassador of Jesus Christ for the sake of the, the, the elect, for the church of God, so that the church may come in by faith, that they may grow in knowledge and grow in godliness, a life of godliness. They may be sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's his purpose there in Ephesians, you remember? That he might present her without spot or blemish that she might be sanctified. So, a godly leader is committed to the church, to her spiritual development, and also to assurance, to her assurance of salvation. And that's the natural progress there. Right? You, you come to faith, you grow in knowledge, you begin to, to do works of godliness, and all of that is for the purpose of giving assurance of salvation in hope of eternal life, he says there in verse 2. In hope of eternal life. You know, people sometimes struggle with their, their salvation. Was I really saved? That's a common thing. If you've ever struggled with am I saved question, don't feel bad. Most people do. I know very few Christians who, who have never, ever struggled just a little bit with their salvation. But here is, here's the test. God gives us this test. How do you know that you are in Christ? How do you know that you are saved? It's not that you can quote a date that, yes, I came down on such and such a date and I prayed a certain and such prayer and, and I've been involved in the church ever since. That's not, don't look to the date. But instead, look back at your life. Look back at your life in Christ. Are you different are you a different person now than you were at that point when you came to faith? Have you grown in godliness? If you've grown in godliness, then you can look back on your life and say, yes, I can see Jesus working in me. Making me holy. Making me like Him. That's where assurance comes from. That's where assurance comes from. And I pray to God, as your leader, that through my teaching and preaching, you might grow in your faith, grow in your knowledge, grow in godliness, so that you can gain even greater assurance for God's eternal hope. Spiritual health, health, of the church is the first priority of a godly leader. So a godly leader is committed to God, he is committed to the church, and third, he is committed to preaching the gospel. He is committed to preaching the gospel. Notice verse 2. 
in hope of eternal life, which God, who never lies, promised before the ages began and at the proper time manifested in His Word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Notice here the glory of the Gospel. Notice the glory of the Gospel in, in hope of eternal life which God who never lies. Oh, the Gospel is made secure on the character of God. He is never changing. There is no, no shadow of darkness in Him. He never ever lies. And this God who never lies has given us the Gospel, the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. Praise be to God our Father for the Gospel. The Gospel is founded on God's eternal promise. And it's our only hope of salvation. It was promised before the ages began. And at the proper time manifested in His Word through the preaching with which I have been trusted by the command of God our Savior. Oh dear friend, before eternity, or before time began, in eternity past, God set His heart upon you if you are in Christ. He determined to save you. He determined to save you through the blood of Jesus Christ. He determined to send His Son, Jesus, knowing very well that we would be on a road to damnation for our sin and our rebellion against Him. He determined in eternity past to save you by the blood of Jesus Christ. That Jesus might come and die. Can you imagine that? Before He ever created Adam and Eve. Before He ever even created them. He knew we would sin. And instead of just scratching that idea, He said, I'm going to save them by my Son Jesus. God's plan of salvation is an eternal plan. It wasn't like when Adam and Eve took of the fruit, God said, oh my, what am I going to do now? God knew what they were going to do before He ever created them, but He created them anyway out of love. And out of love, He determined to save a lost, sinful race for His own glory. Dear friend, if you are here today and you don't know Jesus, God has brought you to this place for a purpose. He has brought you to hear the good news that Christ died on the cross for your sins. If you trust in Him, you believe in Him, you may have everlasting life. Oh, the glory of the Gospel. But also notice the gravity of preaching. The gravity of preaching. And at the proper time, God manifested the Gospel. 
He revealed the good news of Jesus Christ in His Word through the preaching with which I have been entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Oh, the gravity, the seriousness of preaching God's Word. Oh, you hear so many people try to, to, to talk about preaching and try to put away preaching. We don't need preaching anymore. We need to have a discussion. The discussion was not God's means uh, of grace to bring about salvation. It's the preaching of the Gospel. Why do we not abandon preaching in our age of, of technology? Why do we not abandon preaching? Why does the church not just abandon it and, and try to find some other means to get the Gospel out there? Because preaching is God's means of bringing the message of the Gospel to the lost. It is through the preaching of the Word that faith comes. Faith comes by hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. Preaching the Word, preaching the Gospel is the primary means in which God brings faith into the hearts of people. Gravity in preaching, John Piper says, is appropriate because preaching is God's appointed means for the conversion of sinners, the awakening of the church, and the preservation of the saints. If preaching fails in its task, the consequences are infinitely terrible. So many people don't want to hear preaching. Let's just put it away. Let's just put it away. That doesn't draw in people. No, let's, let's, let's fill the hour with, with, with a, a praise band and, and let's put on a concert. That'll get the people in. And if you want to talk a couple of minutes, maybe 10, 15 minutes about spiritual things, okay, we can do that, but that's not what brings them in. Dear friend, dear friend, preaching is God's means to bring salvation to the hearts of the lost. Oh, I understand there have been those who, who have come to faith through reading a track. I know there's some who have come by reading the Gospels. I understand that. But those are not the primary means throughout all of history. The primary means for God's Word to go out and have a saving effect is through the preaching of God's Word. How could we make so little of it Let's just give it a little time over here. Let's put it in the corner and let's focus on all these other things. If that's what we do, we've lost our purpose. We've lost what God has called us to do. We gain understanding. We get greater knowledge of God sitting under the preaching of God's Word. And I'll never give it up. Ever. 
1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God through wisdom, it pleased God through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe. Romans 10, chapter 17, For faith comes through hearing. Hearing through the Word of Christ. Oh, let us not let us not back down from the preaching of the gospel. But I want you to notice as we close, I want you to notice this. This is not just a commitment for a preacher, but this is a commitment for all of the church. Commitment to God, commitment to the church, commitment to the preaching, the proclaiming of the gospel. That is a, a mission for the whole church. That is commitment for the whole church. Everyone who is here, everyone who is a member of the church, make a commitment to godly leadership in your own sphere of influence. A godly leader is soundly committed to God and Christ for the salvation of His church through the ministry of the Gospel. Fathers, are you committed to God? And are you committed to being a messenger of Jesus Christ to see the Gospel come to life? To see the, the sanctification of your family? of your wife, of your children, of your grandchildren. Wives, are you committed to God? Are you committed to Jesus Christ to see faith awaken in the hearts of your husband, your children, your grandchildren? Church, are you committed to loving God? Are you committed to loving one another and loving our world? By serving in the ministry of the Gospel. Are you committed to love God? To love His church? And to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ? Oh, Heavenly Father, oh, Father, we thank You for this Word. We thank You for this Word. And we confess to You, O oh Lord, that sometimes we allow so many things to get into our lives, to work into our lives, and, and drag us away to other things, to drag our focus away from You and on other things, vain things. Oh, but Father, today, Under the preaching of Your Word. Oh Lord, may our hearts come under conviction. And may we commit ourselves to You. To the ministry that You have called us to. May we love You with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And may we love Your church. Even as You love her, may we love one another. Lord, may we love our world by taking the gospel to the lost. Praying, hoping, 
working to see others come to know Jesus. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Brotherly.